welcome back to the Artful Gatherings podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Kirkland, and I am so excited about today's episode. You guys are really in for a treat. This may be my favorite episode of the podcast yet. I was literally editing the episode a few days ago and smiling ear to ear the entire time. Like I got done editing the episode and literally my cheeks hurt. It's such a good episode and you guys have so much to listen to. So the person that I am talking to today is Chelsea Turgeon. She has become one of my really good friends over the last, gosh, almost two years, I guess, which is kind of insane. We actually went to college together many years ago and we knew each other, but we really weren't friends and we didn't hang out, but somehow in the midst of the craziness of 2020 and COVID, we reconnected and have just slowly gotten to know each other over the last year or so. And she is just such an incredible person and I'm so excited for you to hear more about her story. I won't spoil too much about how we reconnected because we talk about that in the episode that was actually like the first 10 minutes or so or us sort of rehashing the story of how we reconnected many years later, which I think is pretty funny and fun to hear about. I will say we ramble for a bit. So if for some reason that does not interest you and you get in the middle of it and you want to skip ahead, just skip ahead about 10 minutes or so. And then we really get into the meat of the episode. But I do think it is fun and lighthearted. And it is just kind of an interesting story about how the two of us came together after being apart for so many years. So Chelsea is an interesting person. She went to medical school right after college, and you'll hear her tell her story in the episode about how she ultimately decided to leave the medical field, which is just such an interesting thing to decide to do because as Chelsea talks about, you know, that's a really big decision to make um, when you have so much debt and then there's so much societal pressure I think, to stay a doctor, probably. This episode is actually kind of unique in that Chelsea and I go back and forth talking about our two stories because there is quite a few parallels between Chelsea's story and mine. Chelsea went through a pretty significant burnout experience prior to leaving medicine. And she talks about that. And I also talk about my experience with burnout. And then you just hear about how and why Chelsea made the bold move to leave the medical field. I think what is so interesting about Chelsea's story is that she did something that not many people I think would even consider. I've heard her talk about before, you know, so many of the people that she knows, they feel trapped in medicine, you know, maybe going into it, they thought it was the field for them. And then, you know, now that they're there, maybe they don't feel that way anymore. But They feel trapped by debt or societal pressure, or they just have no idea what they should do instead. And so I think Chelsea is just a really interesting case study of what you can do if you realize that medicine or any other career path that you're in, if you realize that that's not for you and what your options are and how you can figure out what you might want to do instead. So I think you guys are in for a really, really interesting and exciting episode. Chelsea has so many interesting stories to share about living abroad and dealing with issues of self-worth and what people think and 
guilt and just all these things that we all encounter on a day-to-day basis. And she has so much great advice to share about all of those things and so much more. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And without further ado, welcome Chelsea Durgin. Anyway, Chelsea, it is so good to see you. It's so good to see you too. It's so fun to just do this on a Saturday night. It just feels like we're kind of hanging out, having like not a sleepover party because we're <laughs> too old for that. Actually. I just watched this whole Netflix series today. I don't know if you've seen the Never Have I Ever. It's so I good. Haven't. I haven't. Actually, I think I've read the book. Is it based on a book? Probably. I feel like most things are these days. I, I don't know. But it was, it's like kids in high school, basically. And they have so many different sleepovers. And I'm like, this is what's missing in my adult life. Just yes. sleepovers with popcorn and snacks. Like popcorn yes. Oh, man. I wish you were here so we could actually do that. That would be amazing. Oh, man. Like bringing me back to my 10-year-old days when I had sleepovers all the time. Good times. Such good times. Um, actually, this is funny. I, we should share this with listeners that this is actually the second time that we are recording this podcast episode because in true me fashion, I completely overthought the first time and through no fault of yours, the first episode was not the best. <laughs> well, no. Okay. So you're, you're being too hard on yourself for all of this. It was really like, this is your first time creating a podcast and I think you're also creating a podcast that's different than what you've heard so far and so like when you have this vision that's different than what currently exists then it can be hard to just really trust that and go into that and I think the way we were recording it before it was just kind of in the fashion and style of other podcasts that exist that are more interview style so I think you know if you just listen to podcasts like that normally then when you're starting one and interviewing so and you have someone on for the first time I think you're just going to default to some of those questions and that kind of style so I think it absolutely makes sense and it's just part of the process of learning (laughs) and growing and starting messy all those things we talk about all the time in sister circle absolutely a hundred percent um well I'm glad you're back (laughs) and I think this one will be much better. So I guess part of the vision that Chelsea's talking about, we want this to feel like a conversation and like you as listeners are just popping in to this interesting, real, honest conversation between friends just talking about life. So that's what we're going to do today. We Neither one of us have any notes. So (laughs) apologies in advance if we go all over the place, but that's the point, right? That's what people do. So I think a lot of our conversations in general, I'm like, we should be recording this for somebody because... (laughs) I think a lot of the way, the way that we interact is very like honest and open. I won't self-declare that we're interesting, but I'm interested <laughs> in the things that we're talking about. And so I, I think anyone who is, I don't know, just on the path of trying to become a more like authentic whole version of themselves will be interested in conversations like this. So. Yeah, I agree. Let's start with how we know each other because that's a super weird and interesting thing. Yeah. So Chelsea and I actually met back in college. So you are, I think, a year behind me, or you were a year younger than me. And we were a part of the same student organization. And so we knew each other, and we would see each other at meetings, but we didn't really, like, hang out at all outside of this one student group that we were a part of. And then we graduated. We went our own separate ways. And then I don't even know 
how long it was after that, that we both started online businesses and we had always been Facebook friends. So I remember like seeing her pop up on my Facebook feed and I was like, whoa, whoa, this girl I used to know, she just quit medicine. She was in residency at the time and she had quit. And I remember my first thought was like, wow. And I just had so much admiration because it just seemed like a really like bold and brave thing to do. And the thing that I felt from that was, oh, she is like pursuing something that she really feels called to do. Like you don't quit something huge like medicine without, um, yeah. So anyway, no, I don't I know, jump that. in at any point. No, thank you for sharing all of that. I think that's, it's so cool to hear your perspective and your side of it. Um, and just, yeah, to have that acknowledgement that when, when the first thing you thought of, because I, I post about my journey a lot on social media. Mm-hmm. And there's like, ju- usually I don't worry about what other people are thinking or saying, all of that. But, you know, there are like those tiny moments of like, Oh, actually, I've been looking recently and I've seen a lot of my sorority sisters from college are watching my stories. And I just get this feeling of, oh, gosh, they think I'm a weirdo. They think I'm crazy. I mean, we all have those Mm -hmm. tendencies of, oh, man, what are people going to think of me? And so, yeah, usually I'm able to mute that. But it's it's good to hear that some people from my past, when they see what I'm (laughs) doing, they they don't think I'm crazy in a bad way necessarily, but they just think that wow, she must be being like called to something. And that's that's really what it felt like too. I, In some ways, I never felt like it was a decision to leave medicine. It just felt like I have to do this. And of course, I, I have free will and I made the decision, but it, it felt a lot more obvious of a choice than a lot of people realize. But but yeah, so I actually just went through our initial Facebook messages and our oh, yeah. initial Instagram messages, which was really fun because I wanted to see how we reconnected because- mm-hmm. After college, we didn't, it's not like we really stayed in touch. I don't think we even had each other's phone numbers. Mm -mm. It was kind of, we were part of the student organization. Um, We knew who each other were. I don't even know if we ever really worked together with that because there's different events that you work. I don't think we were ever really spent a lot of time together. I don't think so. I can't remember any conversations that Mm -mm. we had back then, which is sad on my part, but I'm sure we did have conversations, but um I wish I had memories of them because that would be really fun. Yeah. But yeah, I I looked at um, a Facebook message and I think I had posted, this was July of 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was actually (laughs) a lot sooner than I thought because I quit medicine in February of 2018. Mm -hmm. And then I really started kind of posting about my journey, maybe at the beginning of 2019. And I think I posted something asking I was trying to get people on the phone for market research interviews. And so I did a post like, hey, I'm looking for people like this. Are you one of these people? Do you know these people? I remember this. <laughs> I think they said something about struggling with indecision and fear because then you put that in your message. So you're like, I'm not really struggling with indecision or fear. I don't think I'm your ideal customer. But <laughs> you're like, I saw your post and I saw um, I spent the better part of the morning like looking through your website. And and so you re- re- reached out to me wanting to just like reconnect. And then you're like, I've also started a business and I think we might be able to help each other um, and kind of create like a community or accountability partner type things. <laughs> so that's kind of when it started. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I'd love to chat. Um, but then we just, because of the time difference, because I was in South Korea, 
and you were in, and I had a, like a full-time job and you were in the States. It's like, we never were able to coordinate the time. Mm-hmm. And then I, we must've followed each other on Instagram somehow. Yeah. And the conversation migrated over to Instagram. I did some digging. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Keep so, going. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's good stuff. So then the conversation migrated to Instagram. Um, we were just kind of like reacting to each other's stories for a while. And then mm-hmm. I think it, yeah, it was like when COVID hit and um, you, I think you signed up for my pursue your purpose challenge, but then I asked you if you, if you had done any of it and you're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you said a lot more than that. You're like, no, like I've actually had this, this and this going on. And then that's when we actually decided to connect was it was during the first week that I ever launched my business really like that I really truly launched my coaching. So I oh, remember, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. In my, in your message, you're like, are you sure you want to connect this week? Because I know you're in the middle of a launch and I was like, no, no, it's good. And so we had a whole, like a zoom call. During yeah. I, yeah. Launch. Yeah. And this was like, wasn't this like in like January, February of 2020? April, April oh, this 20. was April. Okay. It happened. COVID was like new, the early days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cause I remember it, that stands out as being like a highlight of especially the beginning of COVID because I mean, you know, we were just so isolated at the time. Yeah. And I remember that conversation and I was just, man, it was so nice to connect yeah. with a real life human. I mean, you weren't even like in the same room, but it, I don't know. I, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was so good. And so then what I remember from that is that it, like we connected during my launch week. And if anyone that's like listening to this podcast, it just has any experience with running a business whenever like launch week <laughs> is synonymous <laughs> with like probably busy season for accountants and what, I don't know, whatever else for other specialties, but it's just like, it feels like the most stressful time because you're putting your product or service out there. And there's just like a, a huge emotional roller coaster. And I just remember that conversation. And then I think you like texted me afterwards to see how it was going and just feeling this support from you. And then from some other friends, like some other just kind of online friends during this launch. And I was like, whoa, being supported feels really good. <laughs> we should do this in a more structured way all the time. Yeah. When so I reached out to you about like creating this little sister circle that we made where we now we talk every week. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been incredible. Um, I remember, you know, it's funny. Actually, the reason why I thought we had connected in January was because I looked back through my journals because I had started journaling very regularly starting in about January. And when I look back, your name came up in my journal several times where I was like, you know, Chelsea's doing really cool things. I feel like I should connect with Chelsea. And then it wasn't that much longer after that that you contacted me about the Zoom call. So then it just kind of, it just kept snowballing. And now literally we chat every week. Yeah. It's really cool how that all happened. Just like all the things that kind of came together. Which technically means we've known each other for years over 10 years no yeah because we met in like I think it was like 2009 or 2010 yeah well at least 2011 so it's at least 10 years so at least 10 years yeah that's insane nutty and here we are wow bffs (laughs) maybe not bffs that's that's a really cool like full circle type of a thing how yeah well, and I think what's cool about it, and I, I mean, I'm sure you feel similarly, but it's just really incredible how the right people will be put into your life at the right time. And really for us, that started back in, I guess, 2011, because 
if I would not have known you in 2011, I would not know you now. Exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't have contacted me. Out of, like we would, there wouldn't have been. And that, you know what else is really cool though? I know that Facebook gets a lot of shade and a lot of like, you know, we all have watched the social dilemma and we're like, social mm-hmm. media is, you know, creating the end of the world. And there's a lot of realities to all of those things. I don't want to dismiss any of that. And there's some beautiful parts mm-hmm. of it because yeah, the way I've reconnected with certain people from my past it has been really incredible and that has happened through social media and just the, for both of us, a lot of the things we get to do in our business happen due to social media. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just showing some appreciation for. Yeah, that's true. Thank you, Facebook for bringing me and Chelsea (laughs) together. (laughs) So funny. Um, Well, something else I think that's interesting sort of about our two like parallels is I actually feel like we kind of followed similar paths after college too. We were doing very different things, but we sort of went, we both went through pretty significant burnout experiences, which led us to these new adventures that we are pursuing. Um, so I would love for you to share yours and then I can kind of piggyback off of that. So yeah, what, where did you go after college and where did that lead you? Yeah. After college, I went straight to medical school and and then from there, straight to residency. So I was just on that path to becoming a doctor and no one would tell me otherwise and no one would stop me, even though plenty of people tried to tell me otherwise in different ways. Um, but I, yeah, I just was really in this mode of achieving and getting, I think many of us find ways to cope during childhood with whatever whatever wounding that we have. I think all of us have different wounding. And one of the ways that I learned to cope was overachieving and just knowing that I got recognition and I got validation when I achieved things. And then I think my brain in certain ways started to associate that that means I, like that's the way that I receive love is through achieving. And so then it just kind of became this constant quest and this cycle of achieving to feel good about myself and just on and on it went and it took me to medical school because that seemed to be like the most badass achievement that I could think of. And, mm-hmm. and it, was, it was also wrapped up in, you know, it's a, it's a noble career. I'm smart. I care about people. It's a way that I can make money without seeming like a jerk because then it seems like I'm not just in it for the money. There was just kind of all of these thoughts wrapped up in it. And so mm-hmm. then I ended up going to medical school and this is also none of those thoughts were conscious at the time. This is me looking back with the awareness that I have now. At the time, I was just like, I want to be a doctor. And it was a very superficial thought. Um, but at some point in my residency, pretty early on, I went into an OBGYN residency. And so that is very work intensive. I think most residencies are. That's like the part of your medical training right after med school. So you're an actual doctor, but you're not full attending. So you can't really practice on your own. Um, And it's known as a time where you work a lot. And so burnout is very common within that. But for me, I think it just hit really early and it just wouldn't go away. And And then I couldn't, when I got to that place of burnout, I couldn't remember why I was doing this in the first place, you know? So when you, I think when you go through anything hard, one strategy that I, I use now is I go back to my why. It's like, okay, this is hard. Okay. Why am I doing this? What's the point of putting myself through this challenging thing? Cause life isn't about avoiding challenges, but really like picking the challenges that are right for your growth. And 
yeah, I was trying to go back to my why to remember why I was doing this. And I just couldn't come up with anything and I couldn't remember why. And yeah, that just kind of brought in a whole series of reflections and taking a step back and finally realizing, yeah, this was never the path for me. Realizing I kind of went into it for a lot of superficial reasons that didn't really stand anymore and that I wanted to do something different. And so I ended up leaving my residency and I hopped on a plane to South Korea and just started a whole healing journey, which has led me to where I am now. Yeah. So yeah, And we'll you- come back to that because we've got to talk about all the things that are going to happen after that because yeah. you summed that up very quickly, but there was a lot of things that happened in that time period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your burnout like? Because like, you were trying to leave teaching. Like it happened when you were teaching, right? Yeah. Like- so my journey was a little more winding, if you will. Mm-hmm. So in college, I studied English and art because I was always creative. I love to write. I love to paint. Just anything creative, like that was me. And actually, you you may not know this story, but um, my junior year of college, Chelsea and I had a really big tornado that came through our college town, destroyed miles upon miles upon miles of property, killed a lot of people. It was an insane time. Um, but I happened to live in a rental house that was in one of the areas that was affected by the tornado. And I was not there at the time, thank God. But basically, this three-bedroom, two-bath house became wood chips in a matter of seconds. And I lost like almost everything that I owned. What was really interesting, and again, this is me looking back now, but <laughs> for some reason that whole experience just sort of like jolted me out of creativity and realizing the importance of creativity. So it sort of sent me into this existential crisis of questioning whether creativity even mattered. And what what came to mind for me was like, you know, I had all these drawings and paintings that were in that rental house that got destroyed literally in seconds by this tornado. Same thing, like I had with papers and things that I had written, I had kept these tangible pieces of things that I had created, again, gone in a matter of seconds. And so I actually, despite being pretty confident about what I wanted to do, did a complete 180 and was like, oh, creativity is not, it doesn't matter. Why am I doing this? Creativity is just about me. With the tornado, I thought, you know, I have a support system that is able to pick me up after I lose my house in a tornado. But there are tons of people out there who do not have that kind of support system. And I wanted to, in some way, be able to help alleviate that. So what I ended up doing right after college, instead of pursuing creativity, I decided to teach in a low-income school for that mission purpose. So similar in some ways to the, you know, you pursuing medicine because – I thought it was a noble profession, a way to help people. That's what I wanted to do. And very quickly did I realize that that was not where I was supposed to be. And for me, and I think this was similar to your experience, it manifested in all of these health-related ways. So I am like a healthy person, you know, weight-wise by all medical standards. And within a period of about two months, I had lost like 20 pounds, like it was absolutely insane. I slept probably maybe like I probably averaged like three hours of sleep a night. 
never ate. I mean, and then that, you know, sends you down this spiral of like your body just kind of shuts down because you're not nourishing yourself in the way that you need to. And really that was just a result of it being so stressful. So for me, I had to realize that the way that I was going to make my mark on the world was through my unique gifts and my unique strengths. And I didn't need to dismiss that and think that it was selfish. But actually, if I'm doing it the right way, then the things that I love most are the things that are going to touch other people the most. And so it took, I, I stayed for through that entire year. So I did finish out my year of teaching. But then after that, I knew something had to change. I left. And then pretty much ever since then, I've been sort of using creativity in different ways. But then it was a few years after that, that I decided to launch a business where I was making and selling art as part of that. Yeah. I don't know if I realized how the tornado and how all of that really connected to you just feeling like art, the creativity was too selfish to pursue. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reading a lot about the nervous system right now, like nervous system dysregulation, um, which happens as like a trauma response. And so I just like mm-hmm. wonder if that is partly like what happened when you lost all your, your things, if you kind of went into like a survival type mode, you know, or a feeling of like unsafety in a sense, like you're wondering if, you know, like you can lose everything in a minute. And I would just, yeah, I wonder how that affected your, like your nervous system and your sense of safety to feel like creativity wasn't something, I don't know, that was like safe enough to pursue. Yeah. You know what? Maybe. Cause it, yeah, it had definitely been something that I was pursuing my entire life. And yeah, I really thought like that would be what I would do, but then losing it definitely made me do a 180 and go in a different direction. But for me, it was like coming back to the thing that I already knew. Whereas I think for you, it was like discovering something brand new about yourself that maybe you didn't realize. Yeah. Well, something that I really hadn't given any thought to as anything real. So I had always been obsessed with like self-help and happiness as a topic and Um, Oh, this is something I thought of recently. I remember, and I majored in psychology in undergrad, and I remember learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. in in one class. And this might have even been in like high school psychology. And I remember learning about like the pyramid and, you know, there's the survival needs like food and water. and, And then there's kind of some of the, I don't remember the next level, but at the top of the pyramid, it's self-actualization. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing that word and like seeing that top of the pyramid and being like, I want to go there. Like, what is self And just feeling the sense of like, whoa, like curiosity, wonder, awe, all of those things that are now, as Stephanie and I realize now that we're, we're more on the path of pursuing our purpose, those are all signs that bing, 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 like <laughs> follow mm-hmm. those things because yeah. the those feelings of like wonder and awe and curiosity are things to follow. And like you were saying with your creativity, like that was something you had always been doing from a young age. And it was something that like brought you joy and just that was kind of part of who you were. And so, yeah, I think now we know the importance of tuning in to those signals and following those things. But at the time, I never even thought about, like, I never even thought about the concept of unique gifts or (laughs) like fulfillment. Those were not concepts that (laughs) to me. I was like, achievement. I'm sorry, just no, just achievement. (laughs) That's all I want. Yeah, for sure. 
And I think I've struggled with achievement a little bit as well, because I think you and I were similar in that we were, you know, the straight A students. Mm -hmm. We could impress people by how smart we were or how well we did in class. And like that was sort of the way that we grew up sort of getting the approval of others. Um, And I have noticed that recently, that that is sort of my default, that I um, will do that instead of just doing what feels best because a lot of times just because you're doing something that makes you look good mm-hmm. does not mean it feels good yeah you know? yeah that's the whole thing that's what I was creating a whole life that looked good instead of even asking yeah. myself what actually feels good and I thought that if I got my life looking good enough that it would mm-hmm. feel good and so then that's the trap you get into is you're like okay, well, I don't feel good yet, but it's because my life doesn't look good enough yet. And so then you can just keep chasing it. Yeah. But, and, and conditioning is really strong. Like I think what you're talking about is kind of our conditioning of you learn to receive recognition, praise, validation, affection, love by certain patterns of behavior. And once you learn how to receive those things in that way, you just kind of get into this conditioned pattern of like, if I do X, I get Y. And then you just yeah. keep doing those things in, in a more autopilot fashion without really being aware of like how it's making you feel and all of those things. Yeah. It becomes a habit and it like gets in the way of you doing what you actually would be wonderful at doing and would be thrilled to do. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about what happened after, so sort of towards the end of residency. So you started thinking you were going to leave medicine which is a huge decision yeah. for so many reasons. What? How did you make that decision and like what was going through your mind at that time? Yeah, it was a big no turning back moment because it's not just like what, quitting at that part of my training wouldn't be like quitting just any other job because I really couldn't go back. I would have to get matched into another training program. And after leaving unceremoniously in the middle of the year, it's just like really unlikely. So basically – when I left, I was saying, screw all of these years of medical training. So it definitely was a big decision. It wasn't just like a casual, oh, I can come back if I want to, um, just to put that in some perspective for you guys. But yeah, so just because you were talking about the way it all manifested for you, like losing weight and not being able to sleep and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And mine, it wasn't that it was panic attacks. That Mm. was how it started. It was just these debilitating panic attacks. And then it was also just, it became this like inertia and dread. So it was, it was like my alarm went off in the morning and I just couldn't get out of bed. I would press snooze over until I literally had to get out of bed. And then I would drag myself into work, but it was just this feeling of, it took everything in me to just physically get myself into work. And then once I was mm-hmm. there, it was it was just this really constant misery and dread hanging over me. And so then I ended up going to my program director. I had been talking to her multiple times throughout since I started residency, telling her like, I hate this. I really want to quit. And then we would kind of have a discussion and come to some conclusion and be like, okay, let's meet again in a couple months. And so then I, we finally, I think this was the third time I met with her. And I was finally like, I literally cannot do this anymore. And so she's like, well, why don't you take five weeks off? So I got to take five whole weeks um, not working, which was wonderful. And it really gave me a lot of time and space to think. 
I think it, that was just incredible. I wouldn't have been able to make a decision I really trusted if I didn't have that time or space. So like just taking that step back, getting some perspective was really huge. I think I've shared that with you mm-hmm. before, how important that time was. And during that time, all I really did was I slept a lot. I meditated a lot. I journaled and I have this practice called like writing to my intuition. So I just did a lot of that, um, asking it for answers. I didn't hear anything for a long time. And then finally I started to like get some clarity. I went on this um, camper van trip to Utah and hiked and solo camped around Utah's national parks and got a lot of clarity and perspective on that. And then it was finally on the plane ride home from, from that, that I had a really intense journaling session on the plane. And by the end I was like, I can't go back. (laughs) Like it it just doesn't feel good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And how much of that decision-making process, how much of that was influenced by your perceptions of like what other people would think of you or maybe like guilt that you felt for leaving, you know, midway through, which is certainly something that I felt. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't feel great admitting this, but I didn't have a lot of guilt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying that that's right, but I Mm -hmm. just, I think I felt so miserable that I was like, I have to leave. Like, I'm the worst one off here. And so me, like, I didn't feel like I had anything else left to give to martyr myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I was fully martyred. I was like, I'm done. I've given every part of myself that I can to help anyone else. Now the only thing I have left to do is to help myself. So I, it was like, I had no choice but to be selfish because I had gotten to a point where I I was beyond guilt, I think, because it was, it it almost felt like a state of emergency to me where it was like, they're going to have to deal with it because they must be better off than me. So so the guilt wasn't there. Um, Worrying about what other people will think that actually started to go away too, because I just remember one night lying in my bed and just thinking like, I just want to leave. I I want to leave. And and that just felt so clear to me. But then I started thinking, yeah, but like I had some like close friends. I almost like said their names. I don't want to say any names, but I had some like really close friends in the program. I was like, oh, what will she think? Uh, What will she think? You know, I just had a couple of those moments. And then I was, I had another realization that, well, they're not here with me right now. right? Mm-hmm. Like they're living their lives. They're doing their thing. Yeah. We text. Yeah. We're close in some ways, but they don't get to live every moment of my life with me. And they're not here with me right now as I'm in my really like low points of misery. Not that they weren't there for me at all, but it's like, yeah. And they're not experiencing what you're experiencing. Like they cannot yeah. feel what you were feeling. Yeah, exactly. Which is significant. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so it's like, yeah, they're not experiencing the same feelings. They're they're not here with me right mm-hmm. now. So at the end of the day, I have to do what's right for me because it's my life. And it really was at the end of one day. And I was like, this is, I don't, like, I just, at that point, it just stopped seeming to matter as much what those particular people would think of me, because that's what it really was. I didn't ever have that sense of like, what will people in general think? Mm-hmm. It was really just what will these and maybe at some point I had that, but during, once it got to the point of like me really, truly considering leaving, it just came down to a few people. And then I was able to say, I can't let like what they might think about me dictate what I actually do. And so I just kind of allowed that moment and just set myself free from 
my projected perceptions of other people's opinion. You know, it's like you never even really know what anyone else is thinking. Oh, absolutely. So it's just it just becomes this crazy game. So it just started to seem more insignificant. So that's I think that was kind of how I let it go. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think maybe for me, it was like slightly maybe a difference in profession because like for you, millions of students every year want to be a doctor. You know, there's so many people that would fill that slot behind you. Whereas I think for me in my situation where the guilt came from was that I was leaving this school where most people didn't want to go anyway. Like the whole point of me being there as an uncertified teacher was because they could not find a certified teacher that was willing to be there, you know? And so, you know, when you're thinking about these kids and like, you know, I definitely cared about my students, but at the end of the day, I cannot be the best teacher if I am not personally of a good mental state. (laughs) And even listening to you talk about like some of the things you experienced with residency, I didn't mention them earlier, but I had similar experiences with like dreading going to work. Like I have always been a very like positive, upbeat, go get them kind of person. Nothing phases me. And during that year, I remember several Sundays, I would say most Sundays in preparation for Monday, I would literally spend the entire day fighting back tears. So for me, it started like 24 hours before I even had to go to the place. And so, yeah, it's just like all of these things are signs that like that is not what you should be doing. Like my roommate did not have that experience. Things were hard for her, but it's a different kind of hard which I know you and I, you know, talk about. It's like there's hard that is like a sign that's like you were not meant to be in this. Somebody else is meant to do this thing. And then there's the hard that we all experience. Like it's not that life is easy, but sort of on that same note, like one of the one of my favorite quotes that I return to often is doing the like something about like doing the best thing for yourself is the best thing that you could do for everyone else around you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Because also, I started thinking about this recently that if you believe in oneness, if you believe that, you know, we're all one in some way, that there's some kind of connection between all of us, then there is no such thing as selfishness. Because by you taking care of you, you are taking care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you're given yourself to steward. So, like, you're responsible for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're not taking care of you, it's like, you've got one job. You're yeah. one job to take care of you. Yeah. Everyone else has them all, their own selves to take care of. And it's like, do that first. Yeah. And then you can move on to the rest. Yeah. Of- and I would say if you're not taking care of you, you're actually harming other people around you because, you know, in both of our situations, by us not taking care of ourselves, we were not probably the most effective doctors or the most effective teacher that we could be, you know, like when you were taking care of yourself, that gives you the energy and the power to be incredible at what you're doing. Yeah. No, it's so true. Cause yeah, when you're drained and when you're at, like when you're in that, like just, just making it through, just surviving Mm -hmm. kind of a phase, you're just not, you're not the best version of you. And a lot of times you're a pretty crap version of you. (laughs) Just totally honest. Like in all areas, not just profession. (laughs) Yeah. It just bleeds over. It bleeds Mm -hmm. into your relationships. It bleeds into 
just like even just your interactions with random people like at the gas station or at the absolutely CVS. It's it's like all of those interactions. I remember for me, all of those interactions I had with anyone, I just felt like I didn't have time. Like I don't have time to deal with this. I don't have time for this. I don't know. So I was always really rushed and not super pleasant. And even on the phone with my mom and anytime any little I don't know, setback came up in my life, I would just, I didn't have the resiliency to deal with it because I was already at my wit's end. And now I remember I had to call my bank the other day because I'm international and I keep forgetting to register that. And so then it just, my card stopped working. I had to call them. (laughs) And something like that before would have been like, I have to call my bank. I don't have time to do that. And I just remember, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And then I called and I just had such a wonderful conversation with the girl on the phone. She was like, where are you? And just telling her I'm in Brazil. How long are you going to be there? Oh, I have no idea. And then we just, it was just like such a wonderful interaction. Yeah. Like I would have never found joy in something like that before. And and I probably would have been a brat to the person on the phone and then, Mm I don't It's like I was able to just be a pleasant person. And then she was probably like, oh, that was a nice interaction. So then she has a better day. And then to the next person she talks to, she's, you know, she's not pissed off or annoyed. Yeah. So it's just like, like you said, there's just the ripple effect. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. So what are you doing now? So you left medicine. I did. Where, where did you go after that? Well, I, I just left the States. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was just like a bye girl bye type of a thing to the States. So I first went to South Korea and I taught English there for a year. And then I moved to Vietnam and started just living more of a digital nomad location independent lifestyle, meaning that I work fully remotely. Um, so fully on my computer and then I can live anywhere. It doesn't matter where I am in the world. And so then I use that to just be able to go wherever the wind blows me. And for a while I was stuck in Vietnam because of COVID. So I was there for the majority of COVID and then moved to Mexico for a couple of months and then traveled down Central America. And then now I'm currently in Florinopolis, which is this beautiful paradise island in Brazil. So that's where I'm at currently. Cool. What have you learned from all these places that you have been to? What are some lessons that stick out? Well, one of the things that I don't love that I've learned, and it it's just kind of learning about the privilege that I have from coming from the States. And it's always hard to face things like that. Um, and it's also, I'm really glad that I'm getting this perspective and learning these things because I wouldn't, I definitely didn't see it before. I can just see how much I've changed from now like besides two years ago, I'm just so different and have such a greater awareness of how people in different areas live. Because one of the things I always try to do and end up doing a lot of the times is talking with locals. Like some of the, my favorite people that I meet like are the people who are my waitresses at restaurants or waiters or people who like work at the cafes. Those are the people I really start talking to and develop friendships with. And yeah, I get to really see the way that they live and how because one of the things I started to do to make money initially was teaching English online. And that's a language I was born speaking. And I didn't really have to go to school to become a teacher to teach it. I just took an online certification and then I could make almost $20 an hour just basically speaking a language that I was born speaking 
and I could make money online using that skill and that could fund my ability to travel the world. And and I was able to see so clearly that literally not everyone can do that because I used to have this thought that, you know, if you put your mind to it, anyone can do it. And it's true to some extent. And there's also like, we just all have different places that we start from. And I just was able to, I was able to start seeing the things that came a lot easier to me, um, for me because of where I was born, because of the color of my skin, all of those things. Um, so yeah, I think that's been a big part of travel. I don't know if you meant to get yeah. into that conversation, but that's really like, it's less about just all that. Cause I see tons of beautiful places and that's great. Yeah. But it's just also that I see very clearly the privilege that I have. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I think it's so important too to remember that, especially when you are traveling because travel, I mean, that is the purpose of travel. I mean, part of it is rejuvenation, but part of it is also learning and it's like immersing yourself in other cultures and seeing how other people live and how it is similar or different than how you live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I guess, you know, on a more positive note, something I love about the stories you tell when you're traveling, I think some people might be taken aback by, you know, you were a young woman traveling abroad by herself (laughs) in some countries that people may be afraid of or, you know, worried like, oh, should she be traveling there by herself? But you have some incredible experiences with people who go out of their way to help you hail a cab or find your your air, your next Airbnb and just like a really amazing things. I would be curious to see if any of those stories stand out because I know you've had them in every single country that you've been to. Yeah, it's amazing. And so, and I used to approach all of this like in a little bit more of a la-la space of like, oh, the world's just great to me. And now I realize that, you know, I have things working in my favor that make things better for me. And I still have experienced so much goodness and I've just felt so much safety wherever I go even when when I went to El Salvador that was when people were the most freaked <laughs> out people were like you're going where are you even allowed to go there as a female a solo well I just got so many questions and I had such a wonderful time there I never felt unsafe um and it's not that I you know I'm smart I don't do dumb things I don't go out at night by myself unless I really am familiar with the neighborhood and have been reassured by people that it's a safe place to be by myself at night. But even so, I rarely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like get drunk at night and go out like that's because, you know, your your inhibitions just go down in that setting. So that's another safe safety thing. So it's like I just am always smart about the things I'm doing. And then I just I'm not scared. So it's like you, you can use common sense and you don't have to feel fear if if that makes sense to you. That like if you're doing things that are smart, then you don't have to just walk around and feel afraid. So even in, in Brazil, I lived at the beginning of a favela. This is crazy. I haven't really talked about this much. Um, sorry, mom. I haven't shared this with you. But a favela is like I don't do you know what a favela is Stephanie I actually don't educate me yeah so it's I didn't know before I got to Brazil either but it's basically just like a low income neighborhood so think of like just like kind of like not even government funded housing because I don't think the government funds it but just think of like that level of housing um and there's like 
drug lords who kind of run the places. Like basically they told us if we took any Uber to get to our place, we had to keep the windows rolled down because the drug lords like to see who's coming into the neighborhood and they need to know who's coming in. yeah, so just things like that. And and there was like a homeless man who lived right outside of the Airbnb. The Airbnb I stayed in was really nice and there was like a gate and it was locked. But like the street outside was pretty rough. But even so, like I just met people who were really nice there. Um, and then I met a guy who lived in my Airbnb and he would just always be like, anytime you need someone to walk with you, like I'm just going to go with you. And, and so I just always, like you said, I always feel protected um, because I think – yeah, I just, and I, I practice, and this might sound crazy as well, but this in Brazil or in Rio, because this was in Rio, and Rio was the most unsafe I ever, I ever felt, but I just started practicing feeling safe within myself. So I would be walking down a street with like maybe sketchy people and there's things and it's not, I, it, I don't feel great. And then I just, it was almost like I would try to make it as a meditation and just try to practice really feeling safe within myself. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the thing I would try to practice. And it was actually really cool when you just kind of see that you're working yourself up and you can come back to this place of safety and security. And I think Byron Katie talks about this because she literally, someone like came up to her and held a gun to her head and she was just like, really present with him and like looked into his eyes and he didn't end up shooting her and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's yeah, super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say I like practice that like personal sense of safety, but I would say I probably have, maybe it's a little naive. I don't know, but I generally just believe the best in the people yeah. that I'm interacting with. And I see so many other people who they're anticipating the worst or they're always looking out for the thing that's going to go wrong and they're looking out for the next violent act that's going to happen. And I think if you, from my experience, if you just go through the world believing that the next person you're interacting with is just like you, they may not look like you, they may not live like you, but you know they don't mean you any harm. And if you just treat them like any human being wants to be treated, you will also be treated the same. And now there are certainly exceptions to that rule, but I think moving through the world in that way, you end up getting the best from people, even if you are in environments that most people would dub as unsafe, quote unquote. I'm putting that in air quotes. I, I fully agree with that, that it's like believing the best in people. And just when you look at people in that way, Mm -hmm then they tend to act in line with your expectations. And it's not always true. And I'm not saying that's 100%. Right. And at the same time, it's like, okay, believe the best in people and don't hold out like hundreds of dollars from your wallet and be looking for, you know, like don't, <laughs> don't do stupid things. Right. Yeah. Having that mentality of believing the best in people. And that's something I would realize too, when I was practicing the being safe in myself was, I was like, the reason I'm scared is because they're, they're different than me. They look different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they look I don't know. They just look rougher. They look, they, they just look different than me. And that's, what's making me scared. And so if I can just find the things that were the same, okay, we're humans together. So we got that. In yeah. And so, yeah, just looking for that and expecting the best. It definitely does help. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's our human brain, like going off and saying, Oh, you know, you need to survive. Yeah, like, definitely. so it's looking for the things that 
the threads it's might gonna make you like, unsafe. Yeah. For threats. Yeah. The saber tooth tigers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Right. Which there were not any tigers in Rio. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> there were some. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, but you're not still teaching English. What are you doing now? Yeah. So now I am doing career coaching and essentially helping people do their own version of what I did. And I never try to force my thing on people. I never try to say, yeah, you should also leave medicine and go travel the world because I'm just not interested in anyone being a clone of me or anyone following someone else's path. But basically what I help, um, mainly who I focus on is healthcare workers who are feeling really burnt out because that is my background, but also it goes, (laughs) it's the same process that works for everyone, but I just kind of help them come back to the, to what's true for them. Like how both of us came back to, you know, you came back to creativity, art and writing. And I came back to this personal growth and becoming your best self and all of those things. I just help people come back to what's true for them and then find a way to start pursuing that. Love it. Which is so important. And I guess a few ways that you have shared your story and let people know you know, what you're doing. You have a book. You published a book recently, which is so cool. I'm in such admiration of you. Yeah, I did. That was so fun. I I love writing. It was such a joy to do it. I will definitely write more books in the future because that was, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And the book's called Residency Dropout. And it really just goes through my whole story of parts of the things that I talked about with you today, like, you know, the burnout, the, how I made my decision, the taking the leave of absence, the, you know, all the things that got in my way that told me, um, I can't do it. And just kind of how I overcame them to ultimately pursue the thing that I feel that I'm being called to pursue. Yeah. Cool. And I highly recommend it. I have read it. I love it. Chelsea goes into so much more detail, but it just spoke so deeply to me because I could see parallels from my experience. Like obviously I did not pursue medicine. I don't know what that's like, but it was just eye-opening to see kind of similar experiences through a different lens and through a different... I think it's such a common story. It's a story that so many people were like, oh, I related to. It's, you know, you pursue the traditional definition of what success and happiness is, whatever, you know, you're kind of latching onto that will bring you that at the time. So you latched onto like Mm -hmm. this really noble mission of like, if I can just mm-hmm. help the people <laughs> and put yes. myself aside and just really be like for the people, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, then that will bring me happiness. And, and then I latched onto it in a different way, but yeah, I think it's, it's just such a common story. Yeah, for sure. But you tell it so well, so people should definitely check it out. And you like me are starting a podcast soon. Actually, by the time this comes out, it'll probably have launched already. Yeah. My podcast will probably come out after yours. Yeah. So I'm launching it the beginning of August. So August 3rd is when the first episode episode, episode should drop. And it's called <laughs> Life After Medicine. And it's all about how you can create a fulfilling and thriving life kind of after pivoting out of the medical field. So I'm just interviewing different people who have made that kind of pivot, telling different parts of my story. And while it is specifically targeted again to healthcare workers, it's something that many people could probably relate to, to most of the stories that are being told. Yeah. Well, I've got a few general questions for you as well. What has been the hardest thing about pursuing this path? 
uncertainty. Yeah, just isn't it always uncertainty? (laughs) Yeah, it is because there's just no guarantee that if I do X, Mm. Y, and Z, then I get this result. It's it's a continuous puzzle that I'm trying to put all the pieces together. But there's no guarantee that I'm going to put it together. But it's really fun trying to figure out (laughs) how to make it all work. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, do you ever think you actually had certainty while pursuing medicine? Or if you did, like, is that certain outcome the thing that you would have wanted? I just never thought about it, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think I did have an assumed level of certainty uh, because I never felt uncertainty wasn't something I thought about (laughs) because I didn't feel, but you know, nothing is certain. Anyone, Mm -hmm. even if you're in a job that you think is stable, like you could still get laid off at any time and you know, certainty can be an illusion in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but I had really, I, I just remember when I graduated from college and all, a lot of my friends were still looking for jobs and I was like, mm, I don't have to worry about that. I'm already in med school and I have the next like 20 years of my life lined up. I never have to worry about finding yeah. a job, you know? And so I just thought that, whew, dodged a bullet there because <laughs> I don't have to have that uncertainty of like, where am I going to mm-hmm. work? Um, right. So I guess I thought I had certainty and maybe I did in some way, but now I don't. And yeah, yeah, it's a hard adjustment, but definitely worth it learning how to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and that was my next question. What is the best thing about having pursued this journey? Freedom. Mm. Like ultimate freedom. <laughs> the ability to take naps during the day whenever I want to. <laughs> the ability- No longer sleep deprived. Yeah, not sleep deprived. I'm so well rested. I... I get to book a ticket, you know, wherever, like I'm thinking September, I'll go to Colombia, and then October for my 30th birthday, I'm going to go to Mexico. And I just get to say things like that. <laughs> and also bring me to Mexico. I want to come yeah, with you to celebrate your birthday. birthday. <laughs> oh, it'll be so cool. That's so fun. Yeah. Freedom. Freedom. Great. Yeah. That's one of my core values. So that resonates with me. It's probably why we're such good friends. Yeah. And well, I do think uncertainty and freedom go together. Like I think to have freedom Mm, have to be able to deal with uncertainty that's true you sacrifice your freedom to gain certainty that's true which is probably why i always feel so restless because yeah yeah i'm trying to fit into the certain box but really freedom is is one of my core values that's so interesting Mm -hmm. i had never thought of that fascinating (laughs) um where do you see when you're 80 or where do you see yourself when you're 80 I think I told you this last time and it's still true. I really see myself just being a weird old granny on TikTok. <laughs> like a it. weird personality there just saying all the different things and doing my own little dances or like maybe trying to do the dances that are cool at the time. So yeah, I see myself getting cool. really big on TikTok in my 80s. Yeah. Do you have any parting words for us? I feel like we've talked about a lot. I don't know. Is there anything we haven't talked about that we need to tell people? I don't know if it's what we haven't talked about, but I think just the kind of common theme that both of us have, the big lesson that both of us have learned to some extent, and I'm sure there's still more ways we can learn it, is just always coming back to what's really true for you and being really honest with yourself. I think self-honesty is something we don't we don't think we need to talk about because we think, of course, I'm always being honest with myself, but there's a lot of ways we, it's not that we're purposely lying to ourselves, but we just kind of avoid looking at certain truths. And so I think just 
cultivating this practice of honesty, you know, at the end of each day being like, if I was really being honest with myself, what would I, what do I need to know today? What do I need to look at? What's going on here? And, And so just doing that and coming back to what's really true for you. That is the best life advice. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Chelsea, where can people connect with you and learn more if they want to know more about you and what you're doing and all of that? Well, 50 years from now, you can find me on TikTok. But before <laughs> then, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. I'm Coach Chelsea MD. That's my Instagram handle. That's the main place I hang out. I'm on all the other platforms as well. I'm sure we can link those in the show notes. But yeah, the main place where I of interact and show my daily life is on the gram. Perfect. Well, yes, we will definitely include that in the show notes. Are you on TikTok now? Yeah. Yeah. But not in the way that you were going to be when you're 80. Okay. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Perfect. Well, we will be following you closely to see this happen. I think I'm excited to see it. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. Well, Chelsea, this has been absolutely lovely. Thank you so much for recording the podcast episode twice. I do think this time was much this better. Was so good. This was wonderful. I can't wait to listen <laughs> back to it. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And it was so nice chatting with you. Thanks, Stephanie. What did I tell you? Awesome episode, right? I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. I would love to know what you guys think. So you may not know this, but if you go to my website and go to stephaniekirklandart.com slash podcast, there are entries for each podcast episode and you can actually leave comments at the bottom of those. So if there's any particular episode that you enjoy, I would love to hear your thoughts there. So if you want to start a conversation, just pop over there, leave a comment. I would love to know what you think. One more thing before we leave for today I did want to give you guys a brief update about what we talked about last week. So I told you in the last episode that I would soon be releasing a new collection of paintings. And by the time that the next podcast episode comes out, those paintings will be here. So I finally have a release date. I am releasing the new paintings on Monday, November 15th. So mark your calendars. Email subscribers will get early access at 8 a.m. And then the public will get access at noon, uh, Central Standard Time, which is where I am at. And it also has a name, which I'm excited to share. So the name of the new collection is Unapologetic, which my husband said sounded like a music album that somebody might come out with, which I thought was funny and appropriate because I'm always listening to music whenever I paint. But yeah, Unapologetic which I think if you listened to last week's episode, that will make total sense to you. If you did not, tune into that now and you can learn more about this new collection of paintings that I am releasing. So November 15th, mark your calendars, unapologetic. The painting collection will be here and I am so excited about it. And if you want to learn more and be the first to see the painting collection and get first dibs on the painting that you love, sign up for my email list at stephaniekirklandart.com slash newsletter. Newsletter subscribers always get first tips. And that is all for today. So I will see you back here in a few weeks with another episode. And until then, have a great week.